Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Good to be together in the house of the Lord once again. Summer's coming, flies are out, but it's a good time of the year. So we're carrying on in our series on God's people, God's way. And this morning I want to take a look at Solomon and to have a look at uh, the issue of wisdom, uh, the way Solomon uh, saw uh, his life and how uh, he either succeeded or messed it up and some lessons we can learn from Solomon. If I were to ask you the question, what do you want in life? What do you want in life? There we go. And we've all asked that question in, in our lives. And the way we best answer that question is uh, by what is most important for you? What is most important for you? Now, for Solomon, a very wise king, sadly, didn't even follow his own advice. He was the second wisest man who walked the face of the earth, uh, would have been the wisest uh, apart from Jesus, but you see that he wasn't even able to master his own life as he gives wisdom to those he comes into contact with. We know after the fall, God wanted to restore that relationship back with his people, and uh, there was a whole lot of kings that were given, and God wanted to be their king. And so God asks his people, what do you want? Uh, And It's interesting that they want a king, and God says, I want to be your king. And they say, no, we want our own king. And we read in Judges chapter 1, verse 25, uh, the time during uh, the Judges was the people did what was right in their own eyes. And that word right is the Hebrew word yashar, uh, which means they did whatever was convenient for them. And kind of does that remind you of October 2023, where we do whatever is convenient for us. Uh, If it's convenient to use this book, great. If it's not, then we put it aside. If it's good to take wisdom from the Bible, then good. But if it's not convenient, then we put it aside. And so depends on how we feel. And again, God wants to be their king. We know Saul was the first king, and uh, he was quite interesting, and then uh, he failed the Lord. Then his son, David, comes into rule, uh, and David uh, is anointed as king and was successful in some areas, uh, but failed in other areas, but acknowledged his failures, and that was a good place to be. And it's interesting that for a thousand years before the birth of Christ, we see Solomon coming to reign, and uh, as he reigns as king, uh, he becomes extremely wealthy, and God blesses him with wealth. And the nation of Israel is extremely blessed. Uh, God was on their side. 
um, and, and so they were succeeding. And Solomon comes and reigns for 40 years and takes them to the next level. But unfortunately, as he succeeds in one area, in the material side, he fails from a spiritual perspective and makes a mess of all of that. But God wants to be with them. God wants to be with them and lead them. And so we pick up uh, the passage from 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 14 to uh, verses 4 to 15. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Verse 7, Now, Lord my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father David. But I'm only a little child. And that um, word little child, actually, um, it's not in age, but in, in knowledge and in understanding. So he's acknowledging that you know, he's, he's immature in the ways of the things of God. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and do not long for wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never be Never have been any more, anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. Verse 14, there's a condition here. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my degrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. And Solomon awoke. And he realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. What lessons can we learn in 2023 from this passage? I think lesson number one, we see that Solomon was a wise man. Solomon was a wise man. We see in, in that uh, passage uh, just before the one I read in, in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 and 7 to 9, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. And it's interesting because if I put myself in that situation, um, kind of just going through a midlife crisis apparently, uh, I would have asked for a Harley Davidson. God, thank you, you're generous, a Harley Davidson would be good. Uh, Full tank of fuel all the time. Uh, I want to be able to have 
you know, freedom to be able to ride and my hair must blow in the wind. Why on earth Solomon would not ask for that, I don't know. But he could have asked for many good things for himself if he was wise. (laughs) But you see this man goes and asks for wisdom. And it's interesting, uh, he acknowledges in in verse 7 that he is immature, that he needs wisdom. The wisdom that only God can give. And then in verse 9, he says, so give your servant a discerning heart. And that word discerning, shama, means understanding and obedience. Because, folk, you, you, you can understand certain things and be disobedient. And an and, and understanding heart, he's saying, a heart, uh, and the word that's used there is actually the, that very part that is the center of who I am, your very being. And he asks for that. God, give me something that will be able to to distinguish between what's right and wrong. A distinguishing between right and wrong. And and that word means to to be able to distinguish what is right and wrong. And we can all do that. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. Wisdom is being able to distinguish between the two and hold on to what is right in obedience. To hold on to what is right in obedience. And then he carries on in verse 12 and says, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. The word wise there, uh, shakam, means an intelligent and skillful heart. And the word discerning there is very similar to the word distinguish there, um, uh, discern what is right and wrong, to be able to hold on to what is right. And folks, that is uh, exactly what uh, the epitome of wisdom is. It's one of the characteristics of of an elder, to be able to discern what is right and what is wrong and to be able to hold on to what is right. We all know, know what is light and darkness, what is good and evil. Wisdom says, I know the difference and I hold on in obedience to what is right. So Solomon prayed for that and God gave him wisdom. Um, and, And God says to him, you can ask for anything. Ask for anything, and he, he asks for that. He asks for that for his people. Uh, and, and, you know, in, 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 in the New Testament, it's the Greek word Sophia. And, and I, I've got a problem with the, this word philosophy, philosophia, uh, because it's often uh, when you're able to argue well, you know, uh, then you are able to philosophize well. Well, I, I, I want to differ with that because that's not uh, wisdom, love of wisdom. Philosophia is actually, uh, if we dissect it, it's actually the love of being able to argue or um, being able to, to have knowledge and put it into the right order. And that's what we learn at university, you see. But that's not wisdom. Wisdom is when God comes and takes that knowledge and dissects it And you're able to put it back together. You're able to put it back together. And so he prays for that Sophia. And the first illustration comes uh, in in chapter 3 where where these two women, you know the story well, these two women uh, have a baby and overnight the one baby dies and the mother of that baby who died 
goes and swaps it, swaps the baby with the live baby. And the next day uh, they go because there's a dispute. They go before King Solomon and Solomon is able to differentiate between the two. And he says that baby belongs to the mother who's, uh, where the baby is alive because didn't want the baby to be cut in half. And so that's the first sign of wisdom. And we picked that up so well. And, and God says, I will give you more than that. I will give you more than that. Kind of the equivalent of, of Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, putting God first. And that word seek, ziteo in the Greek, seek in order to find. Not a boy's look. Look in order to find. And that's what God is saying to Solomon. I will give you wisdom. When you look for it, you will find it. But you need to commit your life to me because there is a condition there. And he says, I will give you whatever you want, but you need to uh, give your life to me. And we read uh, that Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father, David. That word walk uh, means he, he behaved correctly. He grew in the things of God. But sadly, the second part of that verse, except he offered sacrifices and burnt incense on high places. He started off well. He started loving the Lord. But there's a, a, one word there, but, B-U-T, but. He compromised in beginning to burn incense to the uh, foreign gods. And folks, that's extremely dangerous. God blesses him with wisdom. He's able to, to, to give so much advice. It says in 1 Kings 4, uh, verse 29 to 34, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as a sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other man. He spoke 3,000 proverbs. And his songs numbered a thousand and five. Wow. He described plant life from the seed of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also talked about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. Eat your heart out, David Attenborough. This man was super wise. Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. He was a very wise man. Started off well. Secondly, if you look at Solomon, the great builder, he was one of the greatest builders in the history of, of Israel. A thousand years later, King Herod comes and rebuilds the, 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 the buildings that, that Solomon had built. And we read in 1 Kings 6.37, the foundation of the temple of the Lord was laid in the fourth year in the month of Ziv, the 11th year in the month of Bull, and eighth month, the temple was finished in all its details according to its specifications. He had spent seven years building it. So he, it took seven years to build that temple on the left for the Lord, great builder, and he was meticulous in exactly how God wanted it. But then if you look at uh, the house on the right, that's his own personal house. He takes seven years to build God's temple, but he takes 13 years and 31,000 men to build his own place. Great builder, but 
slightly misdirected. Because, and that's one of his houses. He had other homes all over Israel that he was able to, to build as well. And, and you begin to see that he had um, so many horses and hundreds of stables, and, and God gave him incredible wealth. But sadly, after that, in 722 BC, the northern kingdom goes uh, into captivity by the Assyrians and destroys the building. And then in 586, the southern kingdom goes into captivity by the Babylonians, and the buildings are destroyed. And later on, does King Herod in the New Testament, just before the birth of Jesus, come and rebuild these. But nothing compared to what uh, King Solomon had built. A great builder, but slightly out of touch with reality. Wise man, great builder, but slightly off center. Thirdly, we see Solomon was an ignorant man. It says uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. In fact, one of the Proverbs that he wrote himself in Proverbs 16, 18 is that pride comes before the fall. Who wrote that? Solomon. But he was not able to adhere to his own Proverbs and the wisdom on how to govern his own life. Don't you love it when people come to you and say to you, you know what, you should do one, two, three, four, and five. And just for GST's sake, there's a sixth one as well. Thank you so much. But you see that they're not even able to live up to that standard themselves. Why? Because sometimes there's ego and pride that comes in. That's not wisdom. That might be knowledge on how to solve other people's problems. But when it comes to your own, we deeply need God's Wisdom. And so Solomon, this great king, uh, goes and, and has all these decrees and, and um, you know, uh, has, wants to lift up the name of God, but he's so ignorant about his own weaknesses that he's able to give wisdom to everybody else except govern his own life. And the mistake was that many years later, they... they make themselves extremely vulnerable because of their arrogance. I don't know what's going on in the Middle East now, but you can read a little bit about it, about Gaza in Amos chapter 1, verse 6, and I don't want to take it out of context because I don't understand what's going on, but really scary stuff. But one of the things that Israel took for granted was that God dwelt with them and in the temple, and so they were untouchable. Even if their heart was far from God, their arrogance was that God dwelt with them in this temple that they built, and God was with them. They were God's people, and God was with them. And I believe God is, is with them to this day, but we must be very, very careful. When we turn our backs from God by choice, we must be careful to call ourselves followers of God. And so that's exactly what Solomon did. And we read that Solomon, that God said, if, if my people ever turn from my word and my statutes, this temple you're dedicating today is going to be destroyed. And that came to pass. It came to pass. And sadly, that's what took place. Be careful where you think you're standing strong, lest you fall. Because if you don't put God first, then you're not standing strong with confidence. 
Be careful, Solomon. Solomon, the ignorant man. Fourthly, Solomon, the rich man. Mind-boggling to comprehend how much wealth he had. In chapter 10, we read all about uh, Queen of Sheba coming and visiting him. And, and he had uh, gold and, and household articles that were all uh, gold from, from Lebanon and, and just pure gold. And nothing was made of silver because the silver was considered of little value in Solomon's days. And we read about that and how much he had. He had uh, 1,400 chariots and, and 12,000 horses. This man had wealth. And folk, I tried to, to work out um, the, the numbers to, to compare them today. Uh, and uh, it says uh, in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 7, Indeed, not even half was told uh, and, uh, of what the Queen of Sheba had given him. The Queen of Sheba gave him a gift of gold, the equivalent of 360 million Australian dollars today. His annual income from gifts from those around him for his wisdom was the equivalent of $2 billion. Now, two with nine noughts. He was super rich. Everything was covered in gold. And you can imagine your wealth and your wisdom going together. But the irony is that what he dictated to others, he was not able to live in his own life. And that's the truth. You see, God wrote this book, not humans. God inspired this book. And it didn't end well for Solomon, sadly. I remember growing up uh, with two sisters, and they used to read these love story books, Mills and Boone. Scary stuff. You'd walk into their room, and they'd be crying. What's going on? What's going on? They broke up. They broke up. And I would one, one day I picked up this. You read the front page, you read one page in the middle, and you read at the end. It's all good. You've read one, you've read one of these series of Mills and Boone. You've read them all because it always starts off they meet. Wow, how beautiful. In the middle of the book, they break up. The good news is they always make up. Well, that's not the truth, actually. The truth comes from here. And sadly, point number five, we read about Solomon the failure. Solomon the failure. It didn't end well for him. And that's the truth that we read in God's word. One of the weaknesses that he had was too many wives and concubines. 1 Kings 11, verses 3 to 6, he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And it says, and his wives led him astray. And that word there, Navao, led him astray. By choice, he was stretched too much. Because of what he did, he was let down. Not they let him down, he let himself down. That word means they overthrew him from a spiritual perspective. The very center of who he was was overthrown, is what that word means. It means, you know, he focused too much on himself, and that led to his downfall. As Solomon grew old, it says, 
His wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted. That word fully devoted, similar to the word shalom, that's holistic peace. This word is shalem, which he, he, that he was not fully at peace with what he was doing. He was not perfect. He was not peaceable. He was not full. Why? Because he allowed himself to be led astray. To who? To other gods. To the ancient fertility god by the name of Ashtoreth or Ashtar. And some say Ishtar, where we get the English word Easter from. But we commit ourselves to Jesus. And so there were these, uh, when you went and sacrificed to these gods, there were sexual practices that, that you participate in. And they could lead you and did lead Solomon astray. Instead of one wife that would have been faithful to him, he goes and in a very kind of crazy way is led astray. Ironically, the same man who wrote the book of Proverbs, 31 chapters, is the same man that gets led astray. His own experience uh, did not be put into practice. Remember, he wrote one of the greatest Proverbs that we memorized as we were kids. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. He was not able to trust in the Lord himself. And you read in the last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, where he calls himself Koheleth, but also the author of that book of Ecclesiastes, he's this old man. No teeth, can't hear properly. He's half the person he used to be. And he realizes that, you know, out of all the things that he's done, life has been chebel. Beautiful word. The more phlegm in your chest, the better. Chebel. Life has been meaningless for him because he, he was led astray. And thank God, just before he ends, he says, without God, he would have been finished. And so in all his wisdom, now it would be wrong to finish there because how do we put this into practice from the life of Solomon? Three points in closing. Number one, finishing strong is very important. Finishing strong is very important. And so it's easy to look back and to remember, well, I remember when I was like this, when I first came to the Lord, when I did this, I'm talking about today, the 22nd of October, 2023. How is your, the very heart, the very center of who you are? Yes, once upon a time you were a super on fire for God, but how are you now? Because our spiritual journey is not this little sprint, it's a marathon. And we need one another on this marathon. And we need godly people to walk the road with us, to keep us accountable, to say, hey, Christopher, is careful. If you carry on down this path, you're going to lose your spiritual teeth. That's love. But if I, and draw, call me back. Oh, each one to his own. Nonsense. 
Each one to his own is what we've come up with. That's not biblical. We're accountable one to another. Called the church. Called being followers of Jesus. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4.7, just about to go to his death, and he writes, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finishing strong is very important. Sadly, Solomon messed that up. Secondly, never lose focus on who God is. Solomon's life was to build a temple. What else is there to do? Well, to build your own little house. That is so lavish that it is, it is even more important than the temple. Why? Because you lost focus. And there's so many great things to do, folks. John 4.35 says that, the, that lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes, because the fields are white unto harvest. And there are so many people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And the dangerous part is that we don't really care. Each one to his own. That's dangerous. Do we have care and concern for those who are down and out who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ? My neighbor on this side and that side and across the road, do they know the Lord do they even know that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? And so never lose focus on who God is and how he has impacted your life and my life. Because the reason for the filling is the overflow. He has blessed you and me to be a blessing. Well, I don't need to go and knock on my neighbor's door and with a megaphone, turn or burn. Repent for the end is near. Look at what's happening in the Middle East. Repent. And even give them the Greek word. <laughs> you know? No. Your lifestyle, your lifestyle should project to Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, I'm getting too many dirty looks. <laughs> Do not be deceived and compromise God's values for your life. Do not be deceived and compromise. Well, folk, Solomon was a great man. He started off so well, he asked for wisdom. Not knowledge, wisdom. And then he goes astray. Goes astray and does his own thing. He could have had the nations all around him. God would have given the nations to him in battle. But he asks for wisdom to be able to, to look after the people he's been entrusted with. Paul reminds us, that we are not to be deceived in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And that, that word deceived there, plan now. Don't plan wrongly. Be careful. Don't roam around as if there is no uh, vision and mission. That word means don't allow yourself to be led astray or to be spiritually seduced is what that word means. Don't be out of the correct way. Don't be out of the correct way. Solomon started off well, but then there were these little altars <laughs> that he bowed the knee to. And as you begin to compromise the things of God, it's extremely dangerous. And it says his heart had been turned from God. And that word turned there, again, stretched, Bent away, was carried aside, 
And folk, once you go on that slippery downhill, it's hard to turn back. And that's what happened to Solomon. The challenge is to stay in the very center of who, God's, who God is and his will for your life and for my life. That when we go off center, we, we realize we, we are losing the path and to come back to who he is. That great philosopher Socrates in that last slide says, the only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. <laughs> Why? Because you cannot learn godly wisdom in a university. That's where we get knowledge. That's where we get knowledge. and We're able to put that knowledge on a piece of paper and stick it against the wall in a frame. But life in the kingdom of God is wisdom. No wonder Solomon wrote Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, if only he would humble his heart to that, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Sadly, Solomon messed up. So the challenge is for you and for me to come to our senses and realize that we are fallible and that we desperately need God more than anything else in this world. Yes, it's good to have family and friends and wealth and possessions and all these other things. But if we don't put God first, it's extremely dangerous because we can lose our way. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to enjoy knowledge, to study and be clever. But, Lord, to lack wisdom and discernment and understanding and the things of God is a tragedy. So we beg you to come and reveal yourself to us. As you're sitting here this morning with your eyes closed, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up or stand up, but won't you do battle with your own heart if you're not in the right place before God? Surrender to him. Say, God, I'm sick and tired of the way I've been living and behaving. Please come and fill me with your presence and give me wisdom to be able to distinguish and to discern and give me understanding to be obedient to the things that you've given. Take a minute. Sort your life out before God in this next 60 seconds. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. 
Lord, we acknowledge this morning that it's not by might nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit. Pray, Lord Jesus, that you will come, give us that hope that is found only in you. Create a miracle, Lord, in our lives. Come and dwell among us, we pray. For your honor, for your glory.